And now, the Andy Greenwald Podcast. Andy, Andy. Welcome to the Grandland Network. My name is Andy Greenwald. My guest today in the New York studio is a terrific actor whose latest film, Cop Car, is in theaters August 7th and on demand August 14th. I'm so thrilled to welcome Kevin Bacon. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, and thank you for being such a good sport as we, we settled in here. We got a lot of breakfast talk done, so if you're tuning in to listen to your opinions on what to eat at the beginning of the day, you're out of luck. Yeah, we've already covered that. That's already done. In a very intimate way, I might add. It was intimate, and yeah. I appreciate that. And you sent me, I'm going to start mixing bananas and nut butters, as you suggested. There you um, go. Let's get back to, let's start with this movie, Cop Car, which I enjoyed so much. Um, in the film, well... Let, let's let's let you tell it. But can you describe your character to me? Because he's quite a character. Uh, yeah, he's a uh, sheriff in a small town. And one of the things that I really liked about the film, in uh, in the way that it was uh, written and also uh, delivered by director John Watts, is that an audience has an opportunity to try to put the pieces together about who this character is. Uh, he's he's a little bit of a man of mystery. I mean, I don't really open my mouth for probably the first 10 minutes that I'm on screen. Um, And when I do, it's all bullshit. So, (laughs) um, you know, you're you're seeing glimpses into him, but there's never a scene where he explains why he is the way he is. But I think of him as a guy who probably started out this career in law enforcement believing that he was going to protect and serve, but somewhere along the lines has gone off track whether it's a, a kind of a, a faustian bargain or right. or um or his own demons kind of kind of catching up to him but when we meet him he is in a pretty desperate situation right and the the, the the focus of the movie is on these these two young boys who have run away from home under again circumstances we don't really know about one of the best things about the movie is that it allows the audience to fill in the blanks it really is sort of a taut lean piece of filmmaking um they run away they stumble across the cop car that's been abandoned by uh, your character, and then your character sort of is, plays the role of kind of a vengeful force of nature trying to get his car back and therefore is murderously chasing after children. Yes. Um, I imagine you read a lot of scripts um, when you're deciding your next role, and I'm sure that there are many scripts that can entice you with the language and the way the language is constructed. I haven't seen the actual script of Cop Car, but I would imagine that it was pretty Spartan. As you said, your character doesn't even speak for the first 10 minutes or so of screen time. Um that means it's going to be all in the execution. So talk to me about your decision process from reading the script and finding it intriguing to actually meeting John Watts and figuring out that he's the guy who can actually make it something that is cool on the page work on the screen. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you say that about about reading a script and, and seeing good dialogue. Yeah, you look there and you say, well, these are some lines that I want to say. You look there and you say, this is a kind of story that I want to tell. Ooh, that was kind of an interesting story right. part. But Cop Car was a script that really painted a picture and in the actual script it was kind of a beautiful almost poetic uh film being described Mm -hmm. and so it works really really well as a script it was a page turner i didn't check my email while i was reading it i sat down and just went through in one shot and went okay i actually feel like i've experienced the closest that i can get to seeing this film has now happened for me on page added to that I had an immediate vision for who the guy was. Whether or not it was in line with John Watts' vision or not, who knows? Maybe, yeah. maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But I saw him. What he's, what he, I heard him. Who he is on camera now came to me immediately. I like there's those there's those characters where 
they just speak to you. You hear their voice, and by voice I mean you f- see the way they move. You f- you feel their backstory. You feel I can see the wardrobe. I can see the hair. I can see the whole thing. Uh, that was one of those parts. Um, the question was going to be: Were were was this filmmaker, even though he co-wrote the script, capable of taking this cool script and 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 delivering yeah. it in a visual? Those are very often way. different skills. Very different skills, oftentimes. So all I had really to go on was another film that John had directed called Clown, which has a really kind of fascinating um, backstory. Him and his friend were screwing around, tried to come up with the worst idea for a horror movie that they could, <laughs> and they came up with the idea of this movie Clown about a guy whose clown doesn't show up for his kid's um, birthday party, so he has to be the clown, and at the end of the day, he can't get the nose <laughs> off, and he can't get the wig off, and he can't get the costume, and he comes, becomes possessed by this kind of evil clown. Right. And it's like, a, it's, in a way, it's just a terrible idea, but they decided to make this trailer and so they made a trailer for a fake movie, yeah. and they called it an Eli Roth film. <laughs> Eli Roth is a famous you know, yeah. horror movie director. So for some reason, it blew up on YouTube. Yeah. And everyone was really excited that Eli Roth had this film called Clown. So then they get a call from Eli Roth, who's saying, and they think they're about to you know, be arrested or right. sued or Cease something and like that. Yeah. And he goes, uh, listen, I, I love this. Let's make it. So he went out and got them money to wow. make it. So I saw John's movie Clown, which has sadly not come out, because I looked at that and I went, "Okay, this guy is a shooter. I can I can see that. I can see it, it works. You know, I don't care what the genre is. You know, it 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 works as a film. It, it it pushes the buttons. It tells the story. The performances are good. The shooting is great. I said, I think he's he's going to be good for Cop Car, and and why not? I really admire the way that, that he titles his films. I, I, I had read about Clown. I didn't realize the origin of it. But I appreciate the simplicity of it. Cop car is about a cop car. Clown mm-hmm. sounds like it's about a clown. It is. It's a straightforward guy. Yeah, he is. He's a very straightforward guy. I, I, that, that would be a really good way to describe him. When um, you read the script, at what page of the script did you decide on the mustache? Or was that already there? Because the mustache, I feel, is key to the character. And I don't even mean that facetiously. Yeah, I mean, I felt it pretty much right away. Um, I immediately was struck with the sense that this was a man who was enamored, um, possibly even obsessed with the days of the Old West being the golden age of America. Um, Wyatt Earp, Jesse James, Billy the Kid, a guy who could think of nothing better than a Frederick Remington on his wall Mm -hmm. and... uh, you know, reading an old cowboy novel, um, watching, you know, a John Wayne movie. Um, th- there are people that are just kind of cut from that cloth, whether they're, you know, oil workers or, or uh, you know, bikers or cowboys. You know, that's a, that is a very kind of specific American kind of culture. Yeah. And, and he is, feels and considers himself part of that. And a lot of times what, what, goes with that is that mustache yeah uh, the, the physicality is so specific and i think you clearly made some some choices early on and 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 were able to stick with them and see them through there's a there's an almost animalistic nature to the character you know uh when we first meet him i think he's wearing a tank top and he's doing some physical labor that i won't spoil mm-hmm. um but it, he's sort of peacocking in this in this tank top mm. and everything that happens from that point on 
which is a series of either fortunate or unfortunate events, depending on whose side you're on, I guess, he lurches from one to the other without any hesitation. It's, there's almost like there's an animal part of his brain just pushing him, pushing him forward. Uh, th- and that's clearly something you zeroed in on early in the performance. Yeah, I mean, he is in a, he is, he is, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's a combination of stopping and thinking. You see him thinking things through. <laughs> yeah, the gears grind. The gears are grinding, but without, without him saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? It's got all, you know, and then and John talked about this in the script. We watch it. We we talk it. We see, we see it happen. You know, when I read that, when somebody says, you're going to have to tell this story just with whatever's going on in your eyes or your body, you right. know, that's a great, you know, that's a great challenge, of, you know, for an actor. When I, you know, obviously when I was a kid, I, I was more interested in, you know, where's my big speech, you know, right. but, but to have a private moment is a very, very profound and important thing for actors. I, um, you know, I wanted his physicality to be one of um, sort of deteriorating strength. You know, he was a guy who probably was a lot stronger and 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 tougher, but has probably been shot and probably had, you know been in quite a few bar fights and things probably hurt you know yeah. and he's smoking and he's drinking so you know when when he he he'll he knows how to run but he's going to run out of gas yeah you know what i mean and and so that's the that's the physicality that i wanted to sort of present with him well he wears a uniform that's not just the police uniform i mean when we see the character radio into base and his situation is getting more desperate by the second but he immediately puts on the sort of good old boy voice and mm-hmm. he's being sort of sweet talking the dispatcher mm-hmm. and it's just this torrent of, of bullshit basically mm-hmm. yeah. that he's able to touch to touch you know just reach into well it's, you got to keep in mind that he did run for public office that's what i was going to say he's yeah. somehow he's he he's a he's the sheriff he, yeah. he somehow has the trust of these people sure even yeah. though uh even though uh, events seem to have gotten out of hand for him yeah um where did the, the film was shot in Colorado? Is yes. that right? Is that John has a personal? It was from there, or yeah, he was. He knows uh, the, we were uh, from there. I mean, like members of his family were <laughs> everywhere on the crew, doing all kinds of things. You know, I got I walked on the set first time, and he said, "You know, welcome to your first student film." Um, <laughs> that's really what it felt like. I don't think wow. I've ever worked in such a small crew, such a such a pared really? down, um, lean and mean kind of situation. We were. Uh, down the road from where he grew up, um, when I say down the road, I mean 20, 30 miles down a, a, a straight road with yeah. tumbleweeds blowing by out in the in the prairies in the middle of nowhere, and um, and yes, it, it was uh, it was his home hometown, and he wanted to go back there and 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 do it there because that was the, that was the vision that he had. Uh, all of these places, I think, were already in his mind. I think it's pretty interesting to think about because you're a, a very well-established actor um and yet when you agree to do a project like this and you fly into the, the colorado wilderness and you show up on set um you don't know the people that you're entrusting yourself to particularly well and not just that you're acting alone as you mentioned and that's a great opportunity but it's extremely vulnerable as well especially i mean i don't know how long it took to film those early scenes when it's just you and a car and a shovel um but you're exposed. You have to trust people in a very intimate way. Yeah, I think that um, being exposed and being vulnerable and trusting are all pieces of what I do. Yeah. Um, they always are. Whether you walk, you know, in, 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 some, in some ways, you, you know, you walk on the set of X-Men First Class and it's a giant, giant set and there's a huge cast and there's, you know, 
you know, $200 million being spent and all that kind of thing. You know, you there's a certain vulnerability there, too. So, I mean, I think that... Um, I think that that's really just that's part of the gig, uh, and I th- what I like to do is act. And so, if I can get myself into a situation where I am able to do what I do, then I'm really happy. I'm really happy in between action and cut. Mm-hmm. The getting there sometimes is is uh, is is the difficult part. You know, the finding of the script and the dealing with the rewrites and you know the promotional piece of it and yeah. the and the making deals and all that other bullshit you know but the but the act actual acting part of it is always just still i should say still and always uh um amazing for me so no matter the scale of the production the, the your your ability to just be present in the moment between as you said action and cut stays the same it stays the same and i don't you know i don't um temper my commitment or my um you know ex- excitement or 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 uh you know vulnerability or enthusiasm by by what the size of the budget is or what the size of my paycheck is i mean i i you know, obviously, I'm, I'm not hoping this goes without saying that you know I'm going to throw myself into into cop car in the same way I'll throw myself into a into a blockbuster. It's interesting we're talking about scale because um, John introduced you to the set by saying, you know, welcome to a student film. He's now moving on to make Spider-Man for Marvel <laughs> and Sony, which yeah. is kind of a, a jump up. Um, were you able to give him or any advice about navigating those different waters? It does sound like you're, you've been able to to keep a, a level head in terms of perspective. Yeah, it's funny. Um, we, he we just just uh, yesterday we we started talking about it. Um, you know, and he's someone who is really uh, open and interested in people's experiences. You know, that being said, I just don't know that it's in my DNA to say, listen, kid, the thing you got to remember is, you know, don't let the bastards, you know what I, I, I just, everyone's process is, is, is different. And, and the difference between being a player, an actor, a member of a company right. in a film like that and being, having the, you know, the, the whole thing on, on your shoulders as a director is really a, a completely different sort of experience. That combined with the fact that John is, like f- uh, freakishly um, confident. That kind of matters, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's for a director, he, but not a, but not a glimmer of cockiness. It's a, it's a, it's a really good combination. Yeah, you know, he he he's not like um, he's not a he's not a wise ass punk. You know, he's he's a open and, and collaborative sort of guy. But he but he also is. Is has he's got a lot of guts, you know. Well, there's a confidence to the filmmaking yeah. that I think that comes through. He knew exactly what kind of movie he was making and, and how to deliver it, and it doesn't stray too far in any direction. And and one of the things that I really appreciated about it, and I think a lot of audiences will come to appreciate as well, is that it has such a good sense of itself. You know, we live in an era, and I know you don't need me to tell you this, that where where blockbusters are everything, and to see a movie that is so taut, entertaining, and enjoyable on its own merits within a relatively slim running time is, is reason for celebration, I think. Definitely. 
how I, I did want to mention the X-Men movie because I very much enjoyed your performance in it, but it was interesting that you, you know, you've chosen, you picked your spots to dabble in that world. Was that conscious that you wanted to try out that as the, as the industry has changed around you? I don't think it's that I picked my spots. They, they picked the spots to put me in. Or they offered the spot. Yeah, they it. offered the spot. I mean, there's not, you know, there's not that many, look at, look at how many, it seems like there's a lot of superhero movies made, but really if, if, if they make two a year, that means there's only two places and you're either like the you know the head of 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 uh, the army or something like that <laughs> you know barking orders and that's kind of boring yeah you know or you're the bad guy and yeah so there's not that many bad guys luckily i got one of them you know i was happy yeah. to get one um i don't know you could be you could be the, the angry dad in one i mean there, there are a couple of characters maybe the angry you could, dad <laughs> you could, yeah. the angry dad is maybe still out there for you me you could you know <laughs> fingers crossed for you yeah thank you um it what is your take on on or maybe maybe this is just the way we're perceiving it. Maybe from your side of the ball, it's not different at all. But it does seem like um, not only are there not just superhero, but more blockbuster movie making in general, and less of the sort of middle ground oh, where Top Car would have existed. Yeah, somebody said to me today, you know, maybe 15 years ago, Cop Car would have been maybe a 25 million dollar movie, right? You know, and it's interesting because Cop Car does not doesn't feel like a little indie darling art house movie it's not a it's not like disease of the month it is not a sundance heart warmer no definitely not it's grimy yeah it's it's a it's a crowd pleasing type yeah. movie it's a it's a it's a very very low budget it's a it's a big movie made at a tiny budget right. basically i mean it conceptually i that's the way i see yes. it um and is that a function of things having changed? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I remember, you know, at me starting in the 70s, the 80s rolled around. People say, well, things have really changed. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, VHS, you know, we're f- you know, whatever, whatever it happened to be. Yeah. And I would always go, I don't know, you know, it doesn't seem all that different. We're still making this and making that. Now I really do feel like things have changed. I really think that they've changed and they change like daily, like in ways that just kind of blow my mind. Um Somebody said to me the other day, which I thought was a really good point, was that, you know, when I started out or even a few years ago, kids watched TV and adults went to the movies. And now that's completely flipped. That's know? a very good point. Yeah. You know, um, uh, uh, you know, we have this along with whatever is happening in the movies. We've got this, you know, kind of golden age of really great and 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 uh, well-conceived and brilliant kind of television making. And then all of a sudden the television watching completely shifted into this time shift as we call it yep. and that completely blew things up uh you know i i pine for the days of serpico mm-hmm. and the french connection and uh dog day afternoon and tootsie and you know i i i, I it's it's like those are the kinds of movies, frankly, that I would be getting gigs in, yeah. you know, because I am that at that sort of level. And as I said, you know, there's I've done my bad guy in a Marvel movie, you know, so I, that's unfortunately kind of done, you know, for well, me. Well, so 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 <laughs> they could always resurrect you. Yeah, I guess it could. Yeah, um, pull the coin out of my head. <laughs> so whatever happens, um, so, you know, I hope that it's kind of cyclical. And I hope that um, maybe we can start to find an audience again that that you know really kind of likes those kinds of movies that are um, a little bit less about uh, explosions or about brands, you know, and yeah. a little bit more about 
other kinds of things. I don't want to put it too, on too big a pedestal because I think you can make great movies in that. You know, Matthew yeah. Gardens of the Galaxy, for instance, is a fan. Even though I was mentioned in it, I just thought it was a fantastic <laughs> movie in that. I'm sure yeah. that John Watts is going to do a great job with Spider-Man, you know. Yeah, you I'm, can do good work in any medium. You definitely can. For the meantime, though, I th- what I'm sort of excited about is the idea of uh, kind of like long-form television miniseries type things. Yep. You know, because I think that people are really enjoying watching three or four hours of of, of a show, for instance, yeah. and, and stringing those together. They're starting to become our, our movies for adults. And maybe they'll yeah. start shrinking down until they're six-hour miniseries, four-hour, and, and sooner or later we'll just have two-hour movies. <laughs> yeah. But we are headed that way, I think, absolutely. I think I write about TV for my, for my day gig, and it's been fascinating to watch the rise of the event series, the limited series, because mm-hmm. not only are they a great way to um, service audiences who have become accustomed to resolution as opposed to, you know, 22 episodes every year until you get canceled, mm-hmm. but they've been a great way to attract talent such as yourself who might otherwise maybe be a little wary about signing on for seven years or for an open-ended commitment. Right. You're signing on to tell a story. Sure. And that has changed things dramatically. Sure. And you're signing on in a place where the great writers are drawn to. That's right. And they're drawn to because they are given the reins. That said, so you just, we're, we're speaking just having, with you just having finished three years doing a television series yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, the following ended after its third season in, in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, it aired in May. How was that experience for you, um, both in terms of working in a different medium and living in the skin of a character for that long? And I might add, uncomfortable skin. Yeah, it was uncomfortable skin, for sure. Um, yeah. So... I had a pretty good notion of the workload because I was married to the workload for seven years. Yes. And directed it. Uh, You know, I directed four episodes of The Closer, so I I definitely understood the pace, the workload, the hours. None of that was a surprise to me. Right. None of that was um, as challenging as it was. I loved it, you know. We would get out there in the New York winters, and the crew is standing around 14, 16 hours, and it's, you know, it's five degrees, and we were just out there making it, running and gunning, and it was a great sense of satisfaction to get it done. I love to act, and all of a sudden, there was this giant piece of my life, six, eight months, where I was acting every day. Yeah. Like, you know, 10 pages, you know. And very dramatic pages. In blood everywhere, and alcoholism. And alcoholism, and and fights, and running, and, and... and all kinds of like stuff. So I loved that piece of it. The thing, there's two things that I that I didn't really prepare prepare myself for, that became a little bit of a struggle for me. One was the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, when you make a movie, cop car, uh, I'm in this sort of insane two or three days of back to back to back to back talking about the movie yeah. and certainly I feel you know a certain amount of pressure around the movie um, this weekend or next weekend right. or whenever it is and then it'll be over you know I made it it's done for better or for worse you liked it you didn't like it you know it's gone when you're on a TV series especially if if, you're, if your face is on the poster it's week after week after week after week and the yeah. press never stops because they're always want they always want you to do more. They always want you to do more. So it's like this kind of fluid thing. And I also people go, well, you know, it's it's out of my hands, man. You know, like it's, it's like the network isn't supporting us or whatever, or or you know, the writing is isn't what I wish it would be, and all that kind of stuff. It's out of my hands. I, I am sort of like the opposite. I feel like it is in my hands. 
You know, I take the whole thing on. It's you. It's your work. It's your face. Yeah, yeah. And I made the commitment to it, and I can impact it, and and I should be able to. And and so I felt a tremendous amount of pressure in terms of that, in terms of success or failure of of the show. There was that. The second thing that I – even though I'd seen Kira in that situation, I I somehow I didn't really know that it would feel quite like that. It was was like the most – pressure i felt ever in my career for anything wow the second piece of it was the six act structure i hadn't really gotten my head around it and when i signed on for a network show, you mean for within an episode with the act breaks and the commercials act and, breaks the act and, commercials and, the- and act outs and cliffhanger after cliffhanger yeah. and i find that to be really really debilitating debilitating to the performers to the director and to the writers because you're constantly saying come back come yeah, back think, stop pause and yeah, come back stop, and- pause you know in a, in the television shows oftentimes that i like you get to sit in the middle of the show and have some people talk to each other and have some things happen that are going to happen at a, at a, a more sort of reasonable pace and then you get to the end of the show and something goes crazy and some character dies or there's something happens you go holy i gotta watch this next or or just an emotional tug it's not it doesn't have to be violence it doesn't have to be right but when you're trying to constantly bring people back from commercials i think that it puts an unnatural uh um pressure on the writing and also on the performance because it's literally like shot after you know you we get to the end and they just always have to do this, yep. you know, and I have to yeah. go, oh, oh. I got to do that look, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, I, I just got tired of that. That's interesting. Um, I think I, I've taken up a lot of your time. If you don't mind, it's a quick lightning round of a couple last questions okay. for you. You have quite a remarkable IMDb page, a long career in movies. Mm. What movie are you asked about more than any other? Uh, I would say the movie, probably the movie that's mentioned the most is Footloose. Still Footloose? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. How do you take those? How do you take that? Do you still have a healthy yeah. attitude about it? Yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, I mean, sometimes uh, people say, "Oh my God, Kevin Bacon, I loved you in Footloose." I say, well, "Have you been to the movies in the last thirty years?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's not. good. I'm, 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 you know, in yeah. When the dust settles, I'm very happy to have done it. What movie are you asked about the most that you weren't actually in? Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, let's see. A movie I wasn't actually... It's such a funny thing. Because I'm sure it happens. It does happen. I guess I can't really think of one specifically, but it's probably it's probably something that either you know Kevin Costner or, right. or Kevin Spacey was in. Do you, do you probably just, not Kevin Hart, but Costner or Spacey. You never know. Do, yeah. do you just smile and sign the autograph from whoever they think you are? I do. And move on? Yeah, I move on. That's a gentleman. Um, you alluded to it... Um, for a long time, there was a there was the you know the, the the Kevin Bacon game that you were connect everyone was connected to you. You'd been in so many movies. Who has taken that slot? Do you think that is there someone else who now has the six degrees of working? Well, there was just a thing in the in the British press about how Alan Rickman was the was the British six degrees of Alan Rickman. So, I mean, that's pretty good company. But oh I hell feel yeah, like, I feel like I don't see him in as many movies. I don't know who would it be. Uh, uh, you know, it's a funny thing because sometimes people refer to me as the guy that takes any piece of <laughs> that comes along, and that's why. <laughs> but, that, but it's that's not. why. That's why. That's why there is a game. So I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't put that, that okay. burden on anyone. That's that. that that's fair enough. Um, Footloose is the movie you're most uh, referenced. People most talk to you about. What performance are you most proud of? Again, the long list of performances, but is there one that stands out in your mind as your favorite? I don't of your know if there's own? one. You know, I thought Murder in the First was good, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, The Woodsman. Um, 
you know, I, I thought that as a kind of understated performance, um, Mystic River. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. I did it's a, a TV movie, movie called um, uh, Taking Chance that was uh, for HBO. That uh, I get a lot of people responded to that because it centered around military and, and delivering the remains of, of someone uh, uh, in the service who's killed overseas. That That's the movie that I think people have the strongest emotional connection right. to my performance with. People will you know, just grab me and um, really, really uh, sort of look me in the eye and say, you know, like that really, that really affected Yeah. Me. Do you ever find yourself flipping channels and a movie comes on and you're like, oh, I, I forgot I was in that? Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I, do, I do. In fact, I've been recently, uh, I was recently in a uh, you know, one of these kind of like career retrospective things, you know, yeah. and and when they do those things, they cut together clip reels and I don't go back and look at the movies. Right. Um, I, I, I just don't go back and look at them. I look at them once or twice when they come out, but I, I don't revisit them. And they started showing a scene from uh, Flatliners. Oh, yeah. And it was a scene with myself and Julia Roberts. And I looked at that scene and I went, Oh my God! I have no memory. <laughs> I have no memory of that scene shooting it. I don't even know where it fits into the story. It was a real. It was kind of weird. I mean, I have to say, it was, like it was out of body experience. It was a little bit out of body. Yeah, yeah. Um, final two. Um, one movie that you have coming up, I'm extremely excited about, is Black Mass, which yeah. is the movie with Johnny Depp and Good actually movie. incredible cast. Good um, movie. Coming out this fall about Whitey Bulger. Obviously, we're not going to talk too much about it, but what, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's you awesome. Tell us yeah, that. I saw it two, like two weeks ago, and I think it's fantastic. Um, Johnny's great. Joel's great. You know, the kind of the main two main um, guys. But then there's like great performances, sort of across the board. Um, just a really great company that Scott yeah. Cooper put together. Yeah, and Peter Sarsgaard's in it. Adam Sarsgaard's Scott is in it. Great. Like, interesting people. Adam's great. Um, Jesse Plemons oh, and, yeah. and uh, Roy Cochran and, and uh, just on and on. Benedict Cumberbatch. You know, uh, you, um, you, you when you see it, you kind of go, yeah, we've needed a good, big, fat mobster movie yeah. people you know? want that yeah people want it. and 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 it's it's a it's a very it's a very crowd pleasing kind of film I, I think people are really going to dig it okay last question um obviously your wife is a very accomplished actor your daughter is now acting as well yes. so you get the opportunity to make a film together the three of you are in a movie mm -hmm. together what is the plot of that movie <laughs> oh wow i you know i would hope if we did that that it would be as far afield from our own experience as right. possible. I, I don't. I, I don't know why that's the first thing that pops into my head, but I know that you know my wife can play characters that are very far afield from her, and I know that my daughter can too. I mean, you know, you know, my wife and I did um, the Woodsman, for instance, and she was very resistant of doing that, and we were two incredibly damaged kind of people, yeah. and I was a, you know, a, a, a child molester, and, and she's a, a, a victim, and, you know, th there was nothing about our relationship that really kind of related to that, and and I think that one of the reasons that we liked doing that was because of that, because we could be together and not be somehow trading on or using our own personal relationship as a way to raise the stakes. Obviously, we have an emotional connection right. with each other, but 
but um, I would hope that if the three of us did a film together, that it would be um, it would be like that. I mean, I I actually directed a film that Kira was in, and this was kind of crazy. Um, I in a flashback scene, I play Kira's father, uh-huh. and my daughter plays her as a little girl. Oh, so you've done it already? I kind of have done it, yeah. yeah. Although we weren't really in the scene together because there's a flashback. So, Sosie was Kira as a little girl. I was Kira's father. Marissa Tomei was Kira's mom, and we we're very, very different people. Yeah. Every one of us is a totally different people, including my daughter. So, I think that's something we would look for something like that. That's exciting. So either that or X Men Second Class. Yes, obviously, <laughs> going with the trend of the marketplace. There you go. Um, Kevin, I'm so uh, grateful for, to you for making the time to talk to me. Thanks for uh, having me. Cop Car, a really great film. Uh, August 7th in theaters, August 14th on demand. Kevin Bacon, thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.